as the first resort to resolving this, we didn't even fix this, right? Um, because there, like, we didn't even know where the issue was, right? I've had this uh, specific word which people used to say that data would run, data would run, right? <laughs> like, why was it done in the first place, which caused the problem? Like three months, we haven't had such major issues, and within a week, we felt that it was all just like multiple people just. Like not just one customer, multiple customers coming out and saying that you know what, um, this is an issue. How did that actual debugging go? Uh, if you, if at all, you recall, um, because I don't see how you would discover that. The reproducibility was so hard, right? Like there is no way that you know you can consistently reproduce it. It was like a week plus, like and like it was like a nightmare in the sense that I had like at least like three, four people in the team completely lost sleep from right? such a panic. How do you come out and still retain your strategic lens so that you are you are able to come up with more creative ideas about how to explain it technically, and then actually have the guts left to try it on the ground? Most of the time, if the junior engineer is failing, it's not that the junior engineer is failing; it's the process that failed. Right? We didn't do the proper code review. We didn't do the proper uh, what is yeah. it due before it got shipped. So the fact that this has happened as a senior engineer, you have to first digest it yourself, so that yeah. you are grounded and you are stable. Yeah. You can explain what happened firsthand, uh, and you also get to see what happens on the other side of the table. Um, from the business point of view, how are people looking at this situation? So, I would actually say that if you are experiencing this early in your career, it's actually a gift. Welcome to the podcast, Engineering Unplugged, with me, Bhavin. Thank you to Tenex Eng for very graciously sponsoring today's episode. Today we have Arghu Mathuraman. the co-founder at peoplebox he handles tech product and customer success there i and algu chat about a very interesting and intense production issue that was hard to reproduce and the stress management during and around such incidents i hope you enjoy this conversation please subscribe for more such content and we are live um uh, welcome algu to engineering unplugged podcast this is episode number 3 Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm sure you have great stories on the way while you were building PeopleBox. What would you like to share with the audience today? Hey, Bhavin. Um, you know, absolutely. Thanks for having me here. And um, sure, like I can, I can share a lot of stories. And maybe to start with the the most recent one, where um, uh, it's exactly as recent as probably like a month old or something. So. Um, uh, one of the things our product does is to allow people to write uh, business review meetings and present it to their leaders um so uh, usually people write it overnight on a weekend and present it to their managers um and what started happening is that um, they were writing and the next day morning they're going to go and present and the data is gone right there's absolutely no data and the data has just disappeared right and oh, wow. uh, so i had i had this exact same situation probably twice back in my career so i have had those nightmares um and then the primary reason why it uh, so so the first time when we had this issue was in my previous job where it was like a mobile application where it was online offline sync the typical you know uh, when you like you have to have the state consistency issue right um and the second time which we had was in peoplebox itself in one of the other places where we had a collaborative editing right like you have to have like a state maintenance uh this time again was the same thing right and this time we used a different library it was a brand new uh, you know uh, react library which also had like a node js backend 
and um, what happened is that like like we hardly had this issue earlier uh, but what we found out that like people uh, like our product didn't have so many uh, users using collaborative editing at the same point right that was not happening what happened is that um, i think suddenly there was a peak there are multiple people writing the same document and and the, to give more context this is more like a the expectation of this is more like a google doc right people two people write three people write multiple people write at the same time um what used to happen is that one person was writing and then um um uh, like sorry so one person would have their laptop just open in that empty page and uh, they would close their laptop and uh, they would go on to do some other work and the other person would open the same document would write a lot in that page and when the person who just went away with the empty page they open it up again it would completely erase the one that the first like the second person wrote right so that wow. was like major thing and we had like like crazy like that one week was a complete uh, sleepless time and it was also a completely new library we didn't have a lot of support uh, like there there were support but there were there weren't a lot of things which actually said that this issue was there right um uh, would you want me to go into the details the technicals of it why it went like that would that yeah be- like for sure because the audience is technical so understanding the issue would also help create the context so um uh, like you have a front end which is like a react front end and um this uh, this the, the, this front end actually uses a library called uh, hocus pocus and this hocus pocus is uh, um like all this recent uh, collaborative editing uses technology called crdt right which actually gets to the state of consistency when multiple people are collaborating over it right uh, what we had is that the front end um, is supposed to talk to a node js real time server right and uh, show the data there when people are typing right what we used to do is that when people actually load the page we go and hit the api web api not the node js api we used to hit the web api put the la- pull the latest version of the document show it there and then continue using the node js for the rest of it so so the initial transaction used to happen from the api and then after that everything was through the node js api and when someone comes back online again um we didn't do any sort of you know get the most recent data we never did that again right so um and that had to happen through the node js server right because we so so the fundamental thing that we actually uh, and and this was this is probably like the most obvious thing to do but we sort of missed it was that you should not have two sources of truth to read and write right like you're reading from the web api and you're writing to the node js yeah. um and um, uh, that was probably the most obvious one uh, which we didn't realize and uh, later on we completely shut off the api based converse, you know transactions and moved it to the node js uh, that was one issue the other one also was that we didn't even handle the um, like we did ha- handle the off- online offline uh, you know going and coming back in a very high level way um we would say that it's disconnected connected but what we didn't know that there were multiple layers of the connection establishment right first is that the user was actually online offline that's probably the most obvious one the second one is that the user is online but they are not able to connect to our backend api right um and if they are able to connect to our backend api are they authenticated 
right? So, so, so there are multiple layers of them actually getting connected. And when they get disconnected, um, then reconnecting back again, right? This sort of flows had like multiple layers of uh, what to say, getting to the final thing that are you really connected to the server or not, right? So that's something which I like, we, we had this issue earlier, but um, like we, have, we had encountered this earlier, but when it came again and like now we have completely resolved it in a way that like we have handled all the specific points and uh, we, so as a, as a first, as a first resort to resolving this, we didn't even fix this, right? Um, because there, like, we didn't even know where the issue was, right? So the first resort that we did was to actually build a versions uh, table, right? In the sense that the same document, when people are overwriting each other, every time when there is a write, take a snapshot and have it in the, you know, version history. So at least when people are trying to say that, hey, my complete document is gone, gone at least you have the version history. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the most recent ones. So, okay, let's double click on some of the uh, items here. The library was responsible for keeping the same version of the document consistent across two browsers or multiple browsers. Is that correct? The library, not out of the box. You have to handle those callbacks. If you do those callbacks, then it would, right? But it had those callbacks. Uh, so, so the thing is that the library doesn't take care of storage by itself. Storage is your problem. Right. Your in database or you are hitting directly through your internal API, that's all your problem, right? So basically they give those hooks. So you understood. Are... So on, on the UI, the library would detect that some new content has come up on browser one and it's going to, through the hook, it's going to call some API that you would have told it to call. Correct. And then you have to handle the storage in the backend. Um, and how would that change get propagated to the other browsers from the backend? So um, what happens is that think about this more like it's it's more like a pop up system in the sense that when somebody is online, uh, everyone is a subscriber. It's just like a standard chat, uh, like say all these chat uh, interfaces, right? Like all these chat interfaces, there are pop up mechanisms. Yeah. The difference here is that think about it like each and every, let's say I'm pressing a keystroke, right? I'm pressing A, B, C, D. Each and every keystroke is a transaction. Even if I delete a, a letter, it's a transaction, right? So all these transactions are just queued, right? And it has to go through a standard queue. And like the, the equivalent is more similar to a Git commit repository, right? Like if you look at a Git commit repository, um, you have multiple people committing and they can be committing in local, but eventually they push to the main uh, server, right? Like where they actually push it to the origin. Very similar to that, like you could have multiple versions of it. Eventually you need to have the same log, right? Like it has yeah. to be a chained one after the other. Um, we broke this chain because we implemented it in a way when we were actually fetching the state we were fetching from the web API. But when we were trying to do the sync, we were using a, the Node.js, um, what to say, backend, right? And um, more, uh, what to say, in terms of customer uh, impact, this was like massive, right? Like think about people writing day in and day out and uh, and um, uh, like massive last, uh, like, you know, trust issue saying that, you know what, we should yeah. completely stop using the product, right? Like it's it's as good as the product being, the website being down, right? Even if you have the interface and everything working, the people will not trust because they are spending time writing. And it's uh, like, um, I think I've had this 
specific word which people used to say that data ud raha hai data ud raha hai right <laughs> so i had this uh, what to say nightmarish thing which we had uh, when we did that mobile app as well i think it's mostly because when um, when 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 such real time systems or such uh, syncing needs to be done uh, and as like the, the thing that it was also built by a um fairly junior engineer so in the sense that we had to make sure like that you know all those cases are handled is not something that we did as well right so those were also some things that we had to take away interesting yeah for the non hindi speakers data udrai means data is evaporating and literally the data would evaporate because they wrote it and it got saved and then somebody else overwrote it uh thereby thereby evaporating uh, the old version so okay so the library would handle uh, the deltas and the storage was your problem exactly why did you have to load it uh, the first time from the web api and could you have done it uh, through this node js api itself like why was it done in the first place which caused the problem so um, it's a good point so in the sense that we didn't build the collaborative part as the first version of the product when we built the first version it was just like a static editor where the read and write was happening only through the web right it was just like a normal editor where it where the where every time when you press a keystroke it would debounce and it would do a web api again right so uh, the difference that they did is that okay read is okay with the api write let's go to the node js was the issue like read also should be from the node js api right so okay right. so this was an old design decision basically which worked well in that situation because you were not doing collaborative editing and later when the system evolved that design decision came back to bite you uh, yeah. and it was not apparent to anyone that this has to be reviewed uh, or redone because it's working so you yeah. like standard rule of thumb right if it's not broken you don't touch it so you didn't touch it and yeah. that broke a lot and the interesting thing also is that it's not that we saw this immediately after it becoming live right um because like, not a lot of people were using the collaborative yeah. version like it was working fine for almost like 4 5 months like we hadn't had anyone actually i wouldn't say 4 5 months i would say at least like 3 months we haven't had such major issues and within a week we felt that it was all just like multiple people just uh, like not just one customer multiple customers coming out and saying that you know what um this is an issue right so uh, like we thought that this was like a, so when the first customer reported the first reaction is that hey, you know what um it might be like your internet issue right that's the first knee jerk reaction that most of yeah. the uh, you know like did you go offline very on a G, uh, 3g network those are couple of initial things but the reality is that even if you are on a 3g network it should still be reliable right yeah. <laughs> that's what like i think the gold standard that probably i see is whatsapp right um like the the reason whatsapp is so reliable is because despite whatever network the reliability that has a message been sent to the server has a message been sent to the other person has the person read it right and it's absolutely true right there is no uh, confusion around it which is probably why it's 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 so reliable right yeah there is no loss like once you send a message the contract is very clear and you are guaranteed that the message will reach the other end yeah. even if their phone is switched off after a few days when they will switch it on uh, the message will appear there uh, yeah. right so going back to your example right just being curious here uh, to dig down further uh, it was a design issue and um, it didn't occur to people that the, the old design has to be re reviewed 
Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't even pinpoint the issue when it was happening. You didn't immediately understand where exactly the gap is, and you built the versioning table. How did you actually narrow it down to that API, which was reading it um, uh, from the web API while loading the element? How did that actual debugging go? Uh, if you, if at all you recall, um, because I don't see how you would discover that. So um, actually, yeah. So uh, I think one of the biggest challenges at that point was that the reproduce, like, I think usually when people say that, you know what, are you able to reproduce? If you're able to reproduce, we can fix it, right? The reproducibility was so hard, right? Like there is no way that, you know, you can consistently reproduce it. Hmm. And what was also happening is that even intern, so we docked the product internally as well, right? Internally, when we were doing our own business reviews, it was happening. But when we sat together to reproduce it, it was not. So we tried to look at the exact same scenarios and everything. But in essential, right? Like I think what really helped is to say, hey, you know what? Let's forget everything. Let's read through the entire code again. Let's look at how the data is passing through each and every step and how the data is getting saved to the database, right? And every time when a person presses from multiple, uh, let's say multiple browsers, they are actually typing in, how is it consistently getting saved in the database? Can we just understand it from first principles in the sense that um, like the, and then the first principles aren't so, what to say out of the this thing, right? Like read and write single source of truth. You should just have one place which says, this is the most updated version. So what happens, right, is that the saving to database is also not instant because you can't overload the database as well, right? You can't keep saving to the data, writing to the database every time. The da database yeah. write also happens a bit delayed. So you have this, um, you have this server, which is a Node.js server, which maintains the eventual consistency. So which means that if I am typing a keystroke, even before it type goes to the database, it has to go to the other folks, right? It has to transmit, right? So that, which means there is no way that we can rely on any other source of truth, but for the Node.js. So first thing we cut off every place where there was, it was being written using the, what to say, the API. Uh, that was first thing. Second thing, which we also realized is that the offline online state was very key, right? Like there were people who were writing when they were still offline or not necessarily offline when they were not connected to the server, right? They might still be online, but they were not connected to the server. The browser didn't probably like, you know, connect to the server. So we had to be absolutely sure that do you have an established connection toward to the server and it's live, right? That is the only point when the editor is enabled else the editor, like the editor is locked, right? So uh, that is also another thing. And, and there are places where we couldn't probably like overdo it also, right? Let's say, for example, if you have, um, uh, let's say if we look at the place where there is some amount of lag and we stop letting them edit it every time when they stop getting editing it, they will be frustrated. The user experience is completely gone. Right. So that's, that's probably one of the things that we did. Um, just looking back at how else we debugged, right. I think one of the things, of course, the most obvious one was logging, right. Like we had like, we, like the moment we saw this issue, we added like a, like we overdid the amount of logs that yeah, to, to the point of adding trace logs to yeah, see right. how exactly the data is flowing through the system. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, so I think that is one thing. Second is, um, uh, like I think versioning was the other obvious thing, right. In the sense that like we actually did, uh, versioning, 
um i'm thinking like what else did uh, um so with one of the customers when we were working with this uh when somebody was so we did a lot of customer calls and try to understand their scenario in what case did this happen right and i think one of the things which came out very constantly is that compared to earlier the collaboration significantly increased earlier it was a case that mostly one person was writing the document and other people were just viewing it right yeah here the use case was significantly that multiple people were writing it parallelly right like three four people were writing it parallelly right so those customer conversations helped and uh, the other one which we started did is that we did multiple rounds of like we told like like of course our, our, our team is pretty small so but we say, said that um this time to this time everybody come on call on zoom uh, come to this editor and start writing right so we did like a mass testing within our company itself to overload the system right um that's also something that that we did so that we can actually find out where things were going wrong um so i assume you would have introduced the logging then you would have done this like mass testing within yeah. your team to overload the system and you would have studied the logs to understand where exactly the data is getting overwritten did that yeah. logging in the review of the logs help you discover that this web api getting called is one of the culprits yeah i think um uh, like to be honest this web api getting called was more from my previous experience right like in the sense that we had done this sort of issue where i had um, like i think all this connection disconnection web api was all primarily because of that i had it i had it done and pretty much i try to under, like i wasn't involved when this feature was being built like i i didn't do the code review and i wasn't directly involved yeah. so when i uh, went deep inside that's when probably i could understand that the web api hitting was the primary issue right um and even even when we removed it there were uh, places where we had um uh, like i think the offline online these were also the issues which were there but pretty much that was the that was one of the key um like my previous experience was the one which actually helped okay so there got it it's very interesting that uh, you know it's more often than not it's the case that when an issue of this scale happens right um the team won't be able to handle it because the issue is so complex that nobody is able to make sense of it and more senior folks would get involved and they don't have the first hand experience in writing the code that code was written by the team they were not involved yeah. that's usually the case um while the past experiences help right i want to like double click on a few things here so first is that the logs were there and the team should have had some clue by looking at the logs that there is this web api which is apparently serving the wrong version and uh that's coming back at a later point uh if you just study like the right logs by the client ids and uh, you know which client sent the wrong payload mm -hmm. and tracing it back to okay if this client sent the wrong payload then what did this client get in the first place mm -hmm. where did they get the wrong payload from uh and it's like just step by step uh debugging to discover it was the team able to uncover it uh, just using the logs or i assume not because you got involved and uh, there was a design review that happened as well and through that white, white box review of the code you guys realized that yeah this is also a touch point where yeah. um, actually there were two things which helped one of the thing is that um 
so of course the logs are a lot right like it's not easy to pinpoint which like true that logs is too much right what we were trying to do is that um we were trying to uh, like version history along with the logs help so version history so it's just like we are trying to narrow down to the exact precise time when that incident happened to look at that precise incident what we did is that um like the version history right you look at the version history like usually the version history is supposed to be increasing in your size right it, it has to keep increasing in size nobody actually deletes the whole thing by intention right yeah so what uh, we did also is to find out what is the exact point when the volume of the revision history just came down right like like volume by a very non trivial amount it just dropped through a huge amount like a more yeah. than like, let's say 50% of the size dropped exactly right. like there are times when like 1995 which is like obviously that they have lost data right hmm. so we would just go and find that exact moment and try to go and look at the logs at that point right saying that you know what like what exactly had happened there where did they fetch the most recent data from right and i think like probably I'm, my weak memory like did we did we uncover that it was because of the web api at that point um uh, or maybe we already realized it and it probably validated that you know that's the source like but essentially it was just narrowing down to the fact that that was the most important problem got it how long did this debugging last was it a week two weeks how long was it was like at least like so like i think um it was like a week plus like and like it was like a nightmare in the sense that i had like at least like three four people in the team completely lost sleep right like usually uh, and, um, and and it's more around the helplessness right it's more around the helplessness that hey you know what like like i don't like and you can't even revert back to the non collaborative version because people are expecting that collaborative editing is the default right now if you go back to the non collaborative experience when people are collaborating the expectation is that hey now you have to refresh the page to get the recent data right so yeah. you can't even go back and the alternative is to say that shut down and go back to your original ways of like the old ways of doing it right um and uh, the business also constantly coming and asking hey you know what um this is making a lot of lack of confidence right in in terms of you know uh, people are extremely worried and even to be honest there were times where we were close to doing renewals and renewals and this is like massive issue right like in the sense that hey we are going to renew but it seems like your system is highly unstable right should we even go and write in it uh, those sort of questions when it starts coming it was like a probably like a week uh, of uh, sort of helplessness and uh, like i'm also thinking like probably i should have done the first round of uh, what to say bare bones code walk through to me because i hadn't seen that code if that had been done earlier maybe we could have found lot more issues up front right we did a lot of other small small things like say reducing the debounce time um you know hmm. these are some small things that we did uh, though like we said that hey you know what it's okay the database is going to get overloaded but we are not going to lo lose any data so let's try to re reduce the debounce but that didn't help um uh, eventually so i think if i clearly remember right the back the api that actually gave this actually uses i think um some postgres or some sort of it directly writes and reads from the database right uh, it didn't have in like like the documentation never said that you can read and write from api right and um, there were the, the places where you 
reload the data from the server. Like when you go offline and online, it needs to reload the data from the server. That was automatically handled by this library. And uh, we didn't even know that there was an interface to do that, right? Like, and to identify that interface itself took time. So we knew that it, it shouldn't be with API uh, from the web, but where should it be from also is was not something. And it, and it was not really like a, it was actually in beta, that specific uh, collaborative editing library was in beta, right? So it was not publicly launched also. So we did take a risk to go with that library. And of course, uh, like, it's not that the problem, the library was not good. It's mostly like, I think we didn't, the documentation was not as precise as it would be. Yeah, because they were in beta, the documentation wouldn't be cutting edge and at par with all the capabilities documenting each and every nook and corner of uh, that library. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, got it. So one more question. Um, this is probably a tangential one, but how would the library actually store the in-flight pieces on the backend? Assuming that the Node.js server has uh, multiple instances running because you need to horizontally scale your web server, then mm. you need consistent handling of one particular documents, all the requests by mm -hmm. a particular web server itself, assuming that's happening in memory, or was there a central Redis uh, or memcache sort of a thing where it was doing it centrally and hence the server didn't matter. It's a good point. Like I think as of right now, we just run on single Node.js server. So I'm assuming that it's running on. Uh... Okay. I think that simplified. So being at low scale on uh, sort of simplified uh, the yeah. situation also fairly small but i like i do um, like i think there should be some sort of uh, what to say provision where they would have let's say redis or some sort of immediate write and read sort of mechanism which is there uh, but we didn't use any of those we just directly like i think we just push the eventual consistency to the server uh, while the um, what to say ephemeral content was maintained by the node.js server itself right Awesome. So let's focus on the panic part. Uh, you mentioned, and I can completely imagine how stressful it is when a core part of a product that you would have publicized, uh, you know, so enthusiastically just stops working and stops working to the point where uh, it, it's not that it's not working, but it's working negatively. It has a net negative effect, not a net zero effect. Um, and the business is on your head. The developers have no clue. Tech team is also stressed out because, you know, there are a lot of combinations and none of them are making sense and you still don't have a way to explain what is happening. So there is a complete state of panic. From such a panic, how do you come out and still retain your strategic lens so that you are you're able to come up with more creative ideas about how to explain it technically and then actually have the guts left to try it on the ground. If you are completely in panic, then, you know, it's very easy to just start running Helter Skelter here and there. And um, uh, it just becomes a completely non-productive show. Um, what are your experiences in this area, either from this situation or from other situations as well? Like, how have you seen yourself as well as your team handle this panic and were there any good learnings that have stayed with you yeah i think probably my um so i've been uh, i've been in several times where there is like absolute panic where 
you know um uh, like i think downtimes are the natural panic like in the sense that when and uh, like i think more when there's a downtime and you can actually find out that's more like i would say it's not a panic like you have your playbook of checklist of things when yeah. you go down but when there is absolutely no checklist or let's say i think my first experience was that like i think this was when i was an engineer um we were actually building a library uh, like uh, like our product used to work with the facebook uh, api right and there was a um, effort that was done to abstract out facebook api and so that we can connect with any other apis like facebook api twitter api for the gaming part right like and have like a single api which can connect to different gaming channels and uh, we had to migrate our game to move to that specific thing um one of the things that happened is that when and and this usually has like uh, like this is a consumer product and the, the scale is high and um, um, like at that point is where i think the logging part really st stuck with me right like we used to use plunk at that point hmm. and uh, Plunk was like phenomenal, like in the, in the sense that like every time when I use, um, you know, uh, the the current um, Elasticsearch uh, infra which we use today, yeah, um, the ELK infra, the ELK infra that we use today, um, I usually look back to that Splunk moment. So what we had is that uh, when we launched this, it was actually a bloodbath, right? Um, I think uh, while the bloodbath was there, um, like in a sense, bloodbath primarily like lot of 500 errors hitting the api you're um, talking about this collaborative hmm. document editing or some other instance then i was an engineer this is like okay got it 10 years back this was my first experience of um what to say um complete panic mode i think one of the things uh, like mostly at that point it was more around that because it's a consumer product um and like pretty much uh, at that point we worked overnight to fix all the issues like in the sense that at that point, when we launched it, we, it didn't go through all the steps of launch review that it should have, right? So when mm -hmm. we launched it, um, one of the things that helped at that point was that my uh, engineering leader sat next to me for the next two days, and uh, you know, um, and and then he was actually hands-on, right? Like in the sense that at that point, usually, like most of the time, there he wouldn't be hands-on. He would be like, you know what? Like if you're shipped, let's move forward. But these two days, he was pretty much hands-on. Um, trying to build up a strategy with me and that sort of also stuff that, you know, uh, these are the points where uh, they definitely need some sort of support. Like it, and then you should, you should just directly jump into the situation. In this one, what we did was also is that like try to isolate, like, I think the first thing is that um, in this scenario, uh, like just rewinding back to the past also, the first question to even think about is, is, is there a way to go back to the original state, right? Can we revert it back? So that's a decision that we first try to take, right? Um, at that point also, I think that it, it was at a place where we couldn't go back, right? Like the migrations were done and, you know, people had moved their uh, app to a newer version. So it is going to, like, it would take another release to, and everyone had to refresh their app and nobody would do that. So yeah. it was at a no return that at that point. And, we could we decided not to um not to go you know revert and usually what we try to do is to revert like that's the most natural thing to do to revert so that you can buy some time um these two like the first situation which i mentioned when i was an engineer and even in this situation we couldn't really revert right like the reverting is not even an option so what we did uh, like in this specific scenario is to figure out 
can we find out who are the specific people who would be impacted by this thing, right? Let's go back to our um, product analytics and find out who are the people who are actually using it in a collaborative way, right? And uh, go and talk to those customers. So make sure that your customer success managers are actually working with them and um, provide uh, and, and buy more time, right? Like you want to buy more time to fix it because if you try to fix things in panic, things would even get worse, right? So at least like buy indefinite amount of time immediately, right? Like within yourself, if you can buy indefinite, uh, you know, indefinite amount of time. Um, what we did is that like the customer success folks, uh, we said that, you know what, now you have to be on, like you have to ask them when is their next review. And if you know that there is going to be a review happening a day before we are going to be on always on support with them. Like we, like it's, it's actually a proactive support, right? In the sense that you'd keep monitoring that if they're writing and if the data is going right. And it's not even a tech support. It's, it's actually going to be a customer success support where, um, they are going to be very, uh, like the first thing that we would go and tell them is that, you know what, can you postpone your reviews by a week so that we can go and fix it by then, right? We have that time. So we try to figure out what can buy us that time, right? Um, that was one thing that stuck. And um, I think a uh, um, couple of other things usually is that with the junior engineers, um, like, of course, they are already in panic, right? Like, then at that point, um, yeah. you as a person who is experienced, if you try to corner them and try to say that and, and, and sort of get into a um, blame thing saying that, you know what, like, how can you do this? Or just, just throwing out that anger out, right? Like, how can you do this? Or uh, that was not something which I had that experience and that sort of support help, right? Like, of course, it was not that, like, most of the time, if the junior engineer is failing it's not that the junior engineer is failing it's the process that failed right we didn't do the proper code review we didn't do the proper um what yeah. is it due to before it got shipped so of course that poor chap is nothing but to blame right so uh and uh just like and then i usually whenever these panic moments happen i do have one-on-one -on -one with the actual person as well like and tell them that hey this is happening and usually just talk about my previous experience of when i had these sort of panic moments like several times and how worse it was like you know um and um, I, like i think there were and then talk about a couple of my friends who are also running you know startups like they had an intern who's just completely deleting a database and you know um <laughs> they're today probably the engineering director of the same company right so um those stories have actually tell them that this is major issue it's not that it's uh like it's not that we can let it go and be chill about it we have to be all hands in but yeah don't sort of panic yourself by like i think usually what i try to ask how are you doing right like how are you um uh and 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 they get into a lot of guilt mode um you know what it was my mistake you know i did it like and 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 just try to say normalize it a bit and say that you know this is something that we have to make our process better and um that's that's usually one of the ways and your temperament also shows to them right if you are if you are angry and like if you're about to burst then they are going to be also less risk averse with being creative in terms of ideas right so yeah. try slightly more open and asking them inputs also will tell them what is it that how should you react in these situations yeah help them process that you know this is at some point in your career, this is going to happen. If you're doing 
high performance uh, software where you're shipping very fast, somewhere or the other, you will make mistakes and just help them process that goes a long way in reducing their stress levels because they can like put it in perspective. They yeah. are not demonizing themselves once you do that counseling and once you do that small one-on-one -on -one conversation, typically during uh, the incident when the firefighting is going on is when such conversations help the most. So you shared a couple of techniques. One was the counseling and the conversation during the firefighting. Before that was to, to be able to stomach the fact that this has happened. As a senior engineer, you have to first digest it yourself so that yeah. you are grounded and you are stable. And that's a skill um, that's learned. I mean, very few people have it out of the box, but most people, I don't know anybody who has seen that kind of a stress in their life, uh, in their personal life. And um, you need to learn it. So getting exposed to that stress and going through it and then processing it afterwards also helps you build that capacity to stomach the stress in the right way uh, in your system so that you are stable and then you can help your team. If you are panicking, then your team is doomed. So that is the second thing that you brought out. And before that, you talked about buying more time so that uh, there is just more elbow room to try things and uh, make mistakes. The mindset basically plays a big role. All three uh, relate with the mindset in the in the um, uh, in the solution where you are trying to buy time. You are trying to create a safe space where it is possible to experiment a little bit, and your team has that breathing room. The other two as well, the being able to stomach the uh, gravity of the situation and then counseling the juniors. Yeah. They think go towards like creating that mental peace. So, um, uh, yeah, like completely agree. Have you seen, uh, I mean, what happened? So, uh, what happened with you specifically? Let's talk about that. There would have been a point where you didn't know these things. You didn't know that you had to stomach the situation. You didn't know that you had to counsel. And uh, what happened when you didn't know versus then you learned it. And um, of course, now the things are much better. But can you contrast both the experiences if possible? Sure. I, like I think one of the things before we jump into this specific question in terms of the learning as well, right, is the how can you stomach this, right? Like and the real gravity of the situation comes in if you are able to associate a dollar value to this incident, right? If you actually say that, you know what, like there is a chance that like the dollar value could be as simple as, you know what, current revenue going away. Like, of course, your current customer is disappointed and they are going to say that, hey, you know what, I'm not going to use your product. I'm not going to renew. Bye-bye, right? And in an earlier stage, in an early stage startup, if this, if this customer is a large customer, then the value is going to be like, it's not just revenue to you, right? It's also that they are going to be like a poster child for you to, for future sales, right? So one is that future sales and the current, and when you set the revenue number to it, it becomes like extremely depressing, right? It becomes like, oh my God, like so much of effort that, that has gone into, and, and, and you are at a phase where you probably finish the meeting with them a week back in a very happy tone and you're assuming that, okay, things are all good. Yeah. And, uh, this happens, right? This happens. And what, uh, the, 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 the first thing is to actually, um, like, you know, like being, being as a, 
founder i think the first thing what i try to do is to have a conversation like again with my co-founder and try to understand what is the worst thing that could happen from here like what is the like bare minimum that we can live with right we might be left with a very bad name in the industry that you know it's a unstable product right we might be left with the fact that they might go ahead and say to they might not be a reference to other customers and we would lose x percentage of our annual recurring revenue completely right um so just putting that upfront saying that what is the worst thing or or it could be even worse right like when things are uh, like this was actually negative in terms of productivity but when it comes to even situations where um like security issues could have legal implications as well where they could actually sue you like fortunately we didn't have any of those but in the sense that those could happen as well right so uh those are those are certain things if we have it very clear saying that this is what that could worse happen um then uh just looking at that and trying to process that how can we bounce back from there like do we have that energy to bounce back from there gives you that there there's nothing worse can that can happen from there let's try to work from let's 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 try to make the situation better from there right that helps um though that uh, like i think um that might sound very cynical but that probably puts the what is it the worst case situation in front of you uh, um that's a point just to add to the stomaching part um in terms of the how did i process this for the first time mostly i think in terms of me um i do have a bunch of folks who i talk to to understand hey you know what this has happened how do you do this when it has happened to you right and yeah. that sort of community actually helps me to normalize right like i think this example that i told in terms of the database also actually comes from one of my friends right like they say that you know what this happens right like this is how you mature right like and sometimes it's even like people say that hey, you know what you're lucky that probably you got this early in your startup like if these sort of issues happen much later then the cost is going to be even more higher so at least be grateful that the cost is much more lower right now right so those sort of things actually helped me normalize like recently but i think the first time when i was uh, in sort of this panic situation i think that like that support from the senior uh, uh senior engineering leader in a non judgmental way right like in a non judgmental way helped a lot right like not not showing a face of disappointment not showing a face of uh, frustration on me but actually frustration at the fact that probably the problem is not being solved is fine okay but that sort of um, helped me to maybe normalize that better right? interesting yeah like i don't think looking at the worst case scenario is cynical it just makes it more clear right you know that this is the worst that can happen so now there is visibility because you know that beyond this it is not going to cause any harm and um, it really helps our primal mind make sense of the situation where uh, you know when the mind is in the fight or flight mode it basically feels that a tiger is attacking you and yeah. that i'm going to die and seeing that worst case where yeah i'm going to have a revenue loss of x 1000 uh arr or you know whatever the amount is that's it like i am not in danger the revenue is in danger and that definitely goes a long way in my personal experience in creating that psychological safety because once your mind calms down 
is when you come back to your senses and you can again be strategic and you know do problem solving but when mm. you're in the panic mode you can't do problem solving so it's not at all cynical it's in fact the most logical thing uh to see your uh, worst case scenario uh, yeah yep if you had an advice to give to young engineers um like what would that be when i say young how young are they like fresher young as in yeah good question um let's put it in um 5 to 7 year experienced range where you know they have done a few years of work in the industry they know how to do uh, how to write good code how to do code reviews how to you know do low level design how to do system design all of that they know but they haven't seen a lot of stressful situation and um they want to grow in their career but there is a glass ceiling that is coming and um typically it is the lack of experience that people you know verbalize this as that i know everything that i'm supposed to know but i don't have the experience i don't have the experience of handling intense like high level high stakes uh, software i don't have experience in working in a startup i don't know if i'll be, i'll be able to go and work in a startup um uh, so there is a very interesting point in their journey where they actually take the leap of faith and that leap is not very hard to take mm-hmm. what happens is when people have taken the leap they get bitten by the situation maybe they don't have the right support system around them uh maybe they don't have the right mindset <clears throat> and they get bitten by the stress uh stress of handling that production uh issue sort of a situation where, which they are not able to solve for a long time whether and that long is also a very relative adjective the long like one hour can be very long for some people uh maybe 3 days are also not very long for some other set of people but let's say it's long enough for them to feel that burden and feel uh truly the burden where they feel that a whole mountain is being put on their shoulders and they don't know how to remain calm they don't know like they just want to run away and that changes people um consider somebody at this juncture how like what advice would you give them how would you uh tell them to ch- like what should they change um to be able to you know do better things because it's not the competency assume like ex- proper competency at a technical level it's the stress that's taking them down mm yeah uh, like I, i think what you're asking is a question that what sort of advice do i have for um engineers who are like 5 to 7 who haven't who haven't taken this sort of situations or if they had what should they do both um so maybe they have faced such let's consider a person who has faced such situations and they haven't actually handled them well i think they'll be able to appreciate the advice a lot more if they have never seen situations like this then yeah like the advice is not going to make sense to them mm-hmm. uh, but they've seen a few situations and they haven't handled them uh, in a proper way and they are spooked now so uh, what should they change what should they do yeah i i i think i think the first thing probably is to um, like 
like usually they talk about wartime CEO versus peacetime CEO, right? Like, like when things are all going good, um, you you need to have a different way of reacting to things, right? You want to be more efficient. You want to be more highly productive. You want to make sure yeah. their sprint are running the best planned way and everything, right? But when it's a wartime, usually when things like things are on fire, when all the things that you planned out actually are failing, or let's say, for example, your website is absolutely down, but you don't even know where to go and fix it. Let's say, for, like, I think one of the examples is that, like, you have probably made a product live, but you don't even have a checklist of what all things that you need to go and do when your website is down, right? Um, I think, and and if it was not handled well, let's say your website was down for probably like more than a couple of hours, right? Um, I think the first thing is what I generally try to do is to not really try to beat yourself up, right? Like I think, like try to, dis, you know, associate the incident as an event, right? And then when when like in organizations they use they they write these incident report, right? In small startups, it's not a common thing to go and write this incident report. Yeah. But actually, you know, the reflection around like how like what has helped so far to me is that when such incidents happen, trying to go to like second by second understanding of what exactly has happened, right? Even to the precise information that if there were two engineers talking to each other, what were they talking, right? Like what was the Slack conversation? What are the messages that were sent? Where was the miscommunication? Like trying to get as much information just as possible and just non-judgmental information to just understand that like, you know, where exactly that things went wrong, right? Um, that usually has helped, right? In the sense that it it, it just provides a lot more um, non-judgmental clarity that what exactly could have gone well, uh, sorry, could have gone wrong. And more importantly, how, um, how like a lot of these fire drills happen, right? Like when you, when your website goes down, what do you really do when it goes down again, right? Do you have like a playbook to go and handle that? And um, generally there could be playbooks for things which are just the most obvious ones, but yeah. walking playbook for multiple other people in the team, like at, at this situation, one of the things that we try to do is to have more, like when such incidents happen, have more people to just observe what's happening, right? So that when they are just observing, they just see how people are trying to react. So there's always a Zoom call, which is on, during these situations where people can just jump in and see, you know, what, what's happening and they can understand and they can just drop off as well. Like it could as, as much as that, they're just in a virtual um, room, right? Like of the situation room, right? Um, those are things which has actually helped, but um, especially if, uh, like, if I were in a situation where I hadn't handled that situation, I think the first thing is to take responsibility and take responsibility in the sense that we, um, just just apologize without having any reasons associated with it, right? Just go and say that, hey, you know what? I messed it up, right? And usually this apology is one which I have seen, like usually we write apologies to customers, right? And this apology can't be a, what to say, um, uh, um, standard apology. Hey, I'm sorry. That is it, like, it has to be, it has to be something that you really mean, right? And if yeah. you do, um, that apology itself sort of sets, like, especially at a situation where you don't have to answer to, like, if you have to answer to your customers, then you have to send the apology to your customers. Let's say you disappoint your manager, right? Like your manager was expecting something that you would have actually handled that situation well, and you messed it up. 
having that um honest like maybe to a manager you don't have to send email or something but just having that honest conversation with the manager saying that you know what i disappointed and there is no one else to blame but for me right like and and not really trying to victimize it but just trying to take that responsibility and also share clarity that you know what i spent time reflecting in this entire incident and uh, these are the things which i thought that you know went wrong and these are the things that we should i should have done properly so that being more self aware and being honestly uh, you know apologetic about it usually makes things slightly more better in a larger setup right in an organization it will it helps but of course you like at the end of the day how the like even offering the manager to be the that you know what like of course you have to answer to business i'm happy to be in all those conversations where i can add more value and of course like i don't mind uh, like of course being the manager at the end of the day they are also going to be responsible but being the part that you are not just the only person getting the brunt i'm like i'm happy to come to any of those meetings where you are going to be having conversations with others where they are going to be questioned i can add more context and i can tell you where things went wrong so those sort of things actually reduces the sort of blow that your manager is going to get yeah especially if you are a senior person i mean you can't expect a junior engineer to go to such meetings but if you are a senior enough person then going to such meetings and exposing yourself uh, actually can be a good thing because you can explain what happened first hand uh, and you also get to see what happens on the other side of the table um from the business point of view how are people looking at the situation so in a nutshell you suggested three uh, sort of uh, suggestions uh, to uh, a person who is struggling with this first is that they should process what has happened they should reflect on it they should write an rca they should talk about it with their manager and they should own up the responsibility but they should understand what has happened and make sense of it second is they should prepare that a similar thing is going to happen again so they have to write playbooks they have to document a part of the learnings and uh, you know make it a bit more structured so that next time it's not as unstructured and hence not as big a fire when that happens and third and a very interesting um, input that i felt was to participate in sos where you are not directly involved if you are going through an sos pull in other senior engineers who are not directly involved for them to witness it if somebody else is going through an sos and you are not involved go and join and be part of that call um because you are not part of the firefighting you can understand it from a distance like you are two steps away so uh, you get to see the whole chaos from a more peaceful perspective and that usually gives you a little bit more wisdom yeah yeah um, uh, yeah i think just observing what what has like how a specific situation like maybe when you are in that situation you might just loop in that person again saying that hey i am facing a similar situation that you faced can you help me out right is that visibility of that sort of similar situation has been faced within the same organization is helpful um the other thing just to also add in terms of what i also see is that there is like when there are multiple hierarchical levels right um that mutual empathy is very important right let's say for example um you are a engineering manager and there is like a director of engineering yeah. um and you mess something up right like and of course that's something that you are supposed to own and you messed it up the director of engineering is going to have a meeting with probably like the um customer facing person who is going to talk to the customer right um 
just understanding why is that customer success person so like why are they going why are they so worried about it right because the customer is going to blast at them right and understanding a lot more details helps this person as a engineer to understand the gravity like the the senior engineers the gravity of the situation and similarly when they are part of that meeting and they saying that what exactly happened and absolutely owning up to that responsibility also gives that customer facing person to understand that hey you know what there is no ill intention there's actually a process failure or say some sort of miss it was a human error that happened is also something that mutual empathy reduces the temperature overall else what would happen is that the customer facing person would escalate to their leaders and then the engineering escalates and then it becomes the the issue becomes like a massive blow up right correct yeah absolutely the transparency is super helpful because more often than not people are willing to accept that there is a failure as long as they understand that the failure is well understood by the respective folks and there are going to be process improvements and you know changes in the checks and balances so that this has a lower probability than today of happening and as long as there is some improvement that you are able to show people are more than willing to actually support you um um but when yeah like it just blows up when people don't take ownership and they deny responsibilities when it just becomes very ugly and it just becomes um a blame game which yeah. is never productive yeah yeah absolutely and and i i think uh, there is a very clear difference between um entry level or junior engineer level like never should a junior engineer take responsibility right because like in this case like when when things things are failing right a junior engineer can't be made responsible like that like he, yeah it's a know. process failure it's a yeah. collective failure as a process failure right like and like the right people who should take responsibility should be the senior folks and um, yeah. like and if if you are at a mid level then i think you should step up and take that responsibility as well right like and um, yeah yeah the juniors are not even uh, i mean they don't have the full picture nor do they have enough competency to like understand what are the options available at their disposal yeah um whereas if you are mid level or senior then yeah at least at mid level you can appreciate that these are things happening and um you can appreciate the non technical side of it exactly yeah um, I, I, customer the user impact part of it i think the junior engineer may not really be able to synthesize as well like how serious of this issue it is they might not be able to synthesize it sounds good this was one hell of a conversation alago love yeah. the depth love the examples yeah like thank you for and i think um, happy uh, that you know uh, this sort of uh, real experiences probably helps that um, like everybody is going to have these sort of issues in their career it's not that is like unless unless you are in a you are entering a company which has all processes set right um there are all fences around to not make mess of course it won't be but when you're uh, entering a company which is like early stage um not all fences are there not all processes are there so yeah. and like i would actually say that if you're experiencing this early in your career it's actually a gift right so it's it's actually a gift that you will be much prepared to see it how to handle it later in your career yeah you might not like it just in time 
you will feel very very bitter about it but it's one of the very crucial very very uh, precious set of experience that makes you grow unbelievably absolutely later in your career yep uh using cool. conversation thanks thanks for uh, you know uh, asking really insightful questions as well my pleasure uh let's do this again would love to uh, you know hear more stories i'm sure you have a lot more to offer if you've listened till here i hope you've learned something new from experiences of alagu do check out today's sponsor 10x inch they are building a product to make your alert management streamlined if you have any feedback please comment or email us at hello@pakhanimbu.com at thumbs if you liked it subs if you loved it see you guys next time Thank you.